this is maybe a, too much of a tangent, but um, thinking about like series where you don't trust adults. I remember reading the series of unfortunate events um, when I was younger and like <laughs> my mom and like some other parents were like, yeah, like I'm not sure. Like I've heard that those series are like really like really harsh on adults. Like all the adults are on, un- like incompetent and just like don't know what they're doing like almost like should you be reading that like should we have you be like not like trusting adults and I think even at the time I was like okay this is like the series of unfortunate events is very satirical and like very exaggerated but um I do think it is funny that there are these like stories that kids reading that's like yeah um maybe you shouldn't trust adults like there are some adults that might not want kids to be reading those stories, um, which is, I guess, a good thing that they exist. That's why we have book banning. Hello, everyone. My name is Nia, and welcome to Not As Young Adult, a podcast where I, an emotionally stunted 21-year-old, talk about what makes YA books, movies, TV shows, etc., so appealing to people of all ages, even adults. Now, if there's one thing that YA media loves, it's teens saving the world. Whether your hero is fighting against an evil dystopian regime or a literal god, they're probably no more than 18 and bound to be deeply traumatized by their experiences. Here to talk about the tropes of teens saving the world is my lovely friend Saffron. Saffron, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yes. um, My name is Saffron Heftigaub. I am a film media studies student uh who i really really like tv (laughs) and um yeah i'm excited to talk about um various kinds of media of teens saving the world (laughs) now saffron um before we get into the meat of it all when we were first talking about this episode You had mentioned that you once wrote a whole research paper on Logan from Veronica Mars. And even though that isn't the point of this episode, I'm just fascinated by that whole deal. And I would love to know more about it because this podcast is just like 50% me asking my friends to say tangential cool shit anyways. Yeah, I was in a uh, class that was talking about television and kind of this whole genre of quality television, which is very, very interesting. And I... With many of my school projects, I just try to find a way to talk about the media I'm currently watching. (laughs) And I had just finished Veronica Mars, and I was really interested in how season four went compared to the rest of the series. And so I looked at a bunch of uh, like interviews and, and things like pieces that Rob Thomas, the creator of Veronica Mars, had done and looked at what he was planning to do for future seasons after uh, season four. If For people who don't know, um, Veronica Mars was a show that ran for three seasons back in the 2000s and then was brought and then had a kickstarted fan funded movie and then was brought back for a fourth season on Hulu in 2019. And um, the fourth season was very divisive with fans because they ended up, uh, spoiler alert, uh, killing one of the main characters. 
And I was like, why, why did you do this? And it was really interesting to basically um, look at, from, from my interpretation, Rob Thomas, the creator of the show, wanted to make the show Veronica Mars more serious, um, you know, more of a noir show. And he's like, no one is happy in noir. Like, we can't have this happy couple be together. And ended up kind of digging into that aspect of Veronica Mars. But Veronica Mars, in the first three seasons, it was a genre-blending show where it combined noir and teen soap. In my opinion, it was about the relationships. It was about the will they, won't they, and love triangle. And sure, it was about like solving these mysteries, but it was also about all of the teen angst. And then Veronica Mars is going to become a show that didn't have any of that. And um, in my paper, I was like, to talk about it for this class, it was like digging into does Rob Thomas think that teen soaps aren't like quality, like aren't a, a, a marketable show. And um, what I kind of ended up talking about was actually most like shows that, you know, people are like, yeah, that's a great show, like Breaking Bad or uh, 24, like all of these shows that like are like the prestige men solving, you know, epic problems have melodrama in them have these soap aspects to it and but will they won't they doesn't make it not good tv <laughs> that's fascinating i mean like you did a lot of research did you learn anything that you weren't like necessarily expecting from it i learned really honestly how angry fans were <laughs> um i I kind of had like done my own research before writing the paper um, just because I was curious. And so then the paper kind of ended up just like finding more and expanding more on a point that I kind of already had like a, a feeling of where the direction it was going. But what surprised me was just like, Oh, like I'm just going to kind of tweet about my thoughts about Veronica Mars on Twitter. And like so many fans were just like, <laughs> They must have like saved search, like just people mentioning Veronica Mars because they they hopped on it and were like, it's so awful. Like it, we the theme song for, for, for Veronica Mars goes, uh, we used to be friends. And there was an account that was called we used to be fans that like came into my mentions and was like, here's all the reasons Rob Thomas sucks. And I was like, Okay, oh I did not God, expect this. Um, and it was also funny that my uh, professor for that class, I adore her, um, is a big Veronica Mars fan herself. And she was like, I do not acknowledge this, the fourth season. I do not think about it just for her own sake of like being a fan. It made her sad. And so she like has talked about like, that was a really good paper. You made me have to think about season four, but you know, it was worth it to read that paper. I was like, this is this is not the interaction I was expecting. There are worse interactions you can have with a professor, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just like fans, like even if like, you know, shows aren't necessarily prestigious, like I find that like teen soap fans, they can get really intense about um, what they like for various reasons. And it's just like, it's a very engaging and interesting thing to see. 
especially with like fans like Veronica Mars who've been around for so long. So like we're going into like the meat and potatoes of the episode now. It's kind of an understatement to say that like, you know, every kid has kind of grown up with like a story where like there's like a teenager or even a child like tasked with like the very adult task of saving the world. You and I have both watched and like consumed a lot of media with like that trope. So I got to start off by asking like, you know, when you were, you know, reading those books or watching those movies or shows when you were younger, how did you perceive that trope? Like, did it make you feel powerful? Did you see how scary it was for those teens saving the world? I think it made me feel powerful thinking about like being a being a kid really reading those uh books i'm thinking about reading the percy jackson series and even younger my mom read um chronicles of narnia to my sister and i and it's these kids kind of finding out these magical worlds and then fighting like joining an army and fighting it and i was like oh yeah this is really cool. Like, oh, I can do that. Um, as an adult, I I remembered, I have a friend who uh, wrote this lovely little um, comic about realizing that she was older than Percy Jackson was and having a crisis about that. Like, oh my God, what have I done with my life that I'm like... I'm 18 and I haven't like defeated Kronos. And I saw that and I was like, Percy Jackson was 16. That like made me like kind of upset. I was like, oh my God, these kids are so young. Why are they fighting these like epic battles? But when I was that age or or younger reading about them, I was like, it made me feel like I could do anything, which is probably the appeal of these stories the stories are written about characters the age or slightly older than the intended audience so that there's that you know connectability yeah absolutely like I feel like I really empathize with your friend who wrote the comic because I remember like just being in my senior year of high school and like reading about characters who were like 17 year old or 16 year old like doing like magical heists or doing these intense things I'm like what? I just failed the math test yesterday. How are they doing this? As an adult now, like I'm 21, so like barely an adult, I I feel like so protective of like these characters and like the YA books. Like when rereading Percy Jackson, I'm just like, oh my God, you are a child. Like you shouldn't have to do this. Let me just like wrap you in a blanket or whatever. Yeah, I definitely feel like a a big sibling energy. Um, about these characters because I'm an older sister and I'm just like these are these are kids what could I what could I do like if I knew these kids in person what could I do to help them out so they don't have to be going out into the world (laughs) because when you're like you know watching those shows or reading those books as a kid like you don't really realize oh like that shit is incredibly traumatizing like I remember reading the Hunger Games in middle school and like my takeaway from it was like wow, wouldn't it be fun to do archery? And now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, that was a war going on. She was 16. She didn't have to do that. Yeah. I kind of have a similar feeling about the Hunger Games. I read the book, the first book in middle school, or no, it was, I think, freshman year of high school. I read the first book and 
it was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is interesting. It's kind of intense, but, you know, oh, Katniss is super interesting. And I'm, I'm, I, I like her, but I also don't always agree with her. And thinking about, you know, kind of my relationship, you know, to her was more just like, she's a, a peer, an equal. Um, and then more recently, I watched all of the Hunger Games films and I was like, oh, wow, um, this this is a teenage girl who is incredibly traumatized that people are just like exploiting. And I felt so bad for her. Um, I think it's really interesting, especially the the later movies or books. I never read the final book, but the later movies of this like talking about like propaganda on both sides of the war and how they use Katniss as this kind of symbol when she's already been so traumatized by the games. And then it's like, okay, and then how do we use her to like be the symbol? And I'm like, is no one thinking about the fact that she's like a teenage girl who just like needs some therapy. (laughs) And that's the thing about a lot of these stories is that like, you get to see these kids go through this incredible amount of trauma and like, and you never get to see them heal from it or whatever. It's always like they cross the threshold, the trauma is done, and then like an epilogue. Like that happened in the Hunger Games. It happened in like Harry Potter, where just like the war ended, and you see them like 17 years later with um, children and whatever. And I've always wondered why, because like they make these teens go through saving the world, and you never get to see them like be kids. Like, is that not exciting to people? I I don't understand it. I'm going to go on my 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 very saffron response to that, which is I'm going to talk about Buffy. Of course. We love it. Buffy is my beloved because um, I think that that is a show that does explore the trauma of it because Buffy is the slayer. Like she is destined to save the world. She dies twice and both times it has like, massive consequences on her emotional state and like the first time it's like an episode the second time it's a whole goddamn season and um season six of Buffy is many people I think don't like it I there's some rough episodes but I think it's really really interesting because I've heard people talk about how the villain of season six is like life or depression or like being an adult and also your comment about we don't really get to see them be kids like that's another thing that i love about buffy is yeah there's like fighting vampires or stopping the apocalypse but we also have episodes where they go to the mall like we have moments where they just get to be teens. <laughs> and um, I think that's why I come back to Buffy as a show that like made me feel like of all of the shows about teens saving the world, that's the one that I go to and, and, and rewatch because I, it gives me more like emotional catharsis. And like, I think what Buffy and like shows like Buffy do really well is 
is that like the high school stuff of like picture day and SATs and schools, like they do have consequences too. Like the, the fighting evil has consequences and the like, you know, general team stuff has consequences. And it's very, it's very interesting to see like how like for these characters, like the fighting evil and the general team stuff, like there's no difference between them. There's equal because like when you're a teenager, like every problem feels like the absolute end of the world because it kind of is. That's another reason why I love the RPG um, Monster Hearts. I don't know if you know about it, but it kind of takes the uh, early Buffy season idea of like high school as hell, like everything, all these monsters are metaphors for something and uses that as a game mechanic where you know, you're a werewolf or a vampire and that's exploring aspects of your identity and being an adolescence. Um, which, because it's like, when you're going through puberty, it's like, oh my God, I feel like I'm, I'm changing into a different person and that could be turning into a werewolf. I think you talked a bit about that on the uh, teen, teen Wolf episode. And I was just like, yeah, I love that. Maybe I need to watch that show. <laughs> teen, Wolf is, teen Wolf is not a good show. I mean, I don't recommend it unless it's like a fun little hate watch. Now I'm just thinking about Teen Wolf. And like, I can feel like a lot of these chosen one, like weird kids saving the world plots, like they are very much like confined to like these fantasy and sci-fi shows like Teen Wolf, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, etc., and it's just because, like, A, like, they just don't make sense in, like, a more contemporary setting. But also, like, in in every, like, teen-focused media setting, there is, like, some way in which, like, the teens are handling things and, like, adults are useless. Like, adults are basically, like, like Charlie Brown adults. Like, even in, like, contemporary shows, they're not talking to their parents. They're doing their own thing. And, like, maybe their parents are brought in, but, like, not until the very end. Yeah. I think the other genre that lends itself to this trope is like the superhero genre yeah because i was thinking a bit about this topic but i was also just on youtube just like oh i'm gonna click through and like watch whatever is in my youtube recommended and it was um like moments from kim possible i love that show i was watching it and then i was like oh my god this is the trope this is also the trope of Literally, she, like, before going to school, she goes, like, flies to Japan to, like, fight some supervillain and then comes back and has to eat cereal and go finish her math test. And, um, you know, that's a show a bit for younger audiences, but it's... She's a teenage girl that counts. She's just your basic average girl. Yeah, and I, I think that that show is so, so fun because it's, like... Like you said earlier, like, you know, saving the world is at the same stakes of, like, who am I going to go to prom with? <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the great things about Kim Possible is that, like, every single person knows that she's a spy or whatever. It's like, yeah, I just, like, like how I never had to worry about her secret getting exposed or whatever. Because, like, I don't know, for me, like, sometimes watching Buffy or whatever, I get, like, so stressed. I'd be like, oh my god, what if normal people discover this like massive secret but like impossible i'm just like i'm having fun like you know her villains knows that she goes to high school her best friends know that she's missing cheer practice to save the world it's all fine once you start to think about the concept a little too much it's like 
why is she still in high school? Yeah. Like, why doesn't she have, like, secret service protecting her? I guess because she can take care of herself. <laughs> um, yeah, it also, that makes me think of, like, uh, Spider-Man. And while I, I'm not a big Marvel fan, that is definitely like, oh, that's a superhero who is a teen, who is a high schooler. And he does have to worry about keeping his secret identity secret. Um, the Far From Home trailer just came out. <laughs> and everyone was talking about that uh, Spider-Man. Everyone knows who Peter Parker is now. <laughs> I was actually reading up on Spider-Man just before this because, again, Far From Home trailer just came out as we were recording this. And one thing that was interesting on the Wikipedia page it is that they were like, oh, Spider-Man was like the first like teen or kid hero who didn't have an like, adult mentor. Like Robin had Batman, but Spider-Man was like being a teen hero on its own. And he was kind of like the blueprint, even though there probably more were like some sort of like teen saving the world stuff for him. But like he was in a way, he's kind of like the blueprint for like so many of the teen stories in the future. Because like there's this whole idea of like with great power comes a great, great responsibility. And even if like they don't directly like quote it or mention it, like that is like an undercurrent of like so many YA stories. Yeah. And that makes me think about like not having a mentor. Many of these stories I'm thinking about, it's like, oh, Kim Possible, like she can just do that herself. And Buffy is the chosen one and has this like power from this, you know, line of magic they have that confidence in themselves and are able to take care of themselves and that is definitely that's incredibly inspiring i i have printed out the the speech from the final um episode of buffy the you know every girl who 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 can stand up will stand up speech and i printed that out and posted it on my wall because i was like that's really that's really inspiring. Like I can have the same power that that Buffy has. Like if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> I know that, like not every media has to have a message or whatever, but like these like books or shows or whatever aimed at teens, like they often like are educational in a way that like you, you are showing these teenagers being able to save the world. Yes, they're going to trauma, but they're also like telling kids that like they can be self reliant, they can do great things and they don't have to like rely on an adult's permission. And on one hand, while that's incredibly scary, that's also a great thing to learn as a teenager, or, like before you go to college, so that you're not like scared of making decisions on your own. So true. <laughs> you know, we both like read up and like watched like a lot of these like YA stories, like outside of like, you know, Buffy, which is like the big one. Are there any other like chosen one, like teen saving the world narratives that stick out to you? Um, it kind of counts, I think. Um, one of my all-time favorite movies is Hayao Miyazaki's Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, um, which is, like, another, like, it's not contemporary, it's, like, post, post-apocalyptic, the world is, uh, you know, a weird, toxic jungle, and there's, like, wars being fought, um, and there ends up being this this girl who I think she's 16. She's the princess of this like small little you know kingdom and ends up saving 
like the world and ends up like bringing peace among these like warring nations and helping them coexist with nature not because she's like imbued with magic not because she like can do cool like superhero like fighting skills it's because she's empathetic and cares about people and cares about nature and literally saves the day by putting others before herself and as like a kid watching that i was like "Ooh, this is this is fun she's cool and and there's like fun techno music that plays during the big bug battles um but now i i go to watch that again and again because honestly like Nausicaa is kind of like an idealized version of, of who I want to be. There's also like a kind of a prophecy thing that she ends up like being, you know, she's the chosen one and everyone thought it was going to be like some old man. And it turns out to be this teenage girl, which is fun. Um, But that's definitely, that's one of those stories that I think about of like kids saving the world, but not because they wanted to not because they were trying to fulfill this destiny just because they were kind i love that kind of story just because like i feel like we need more of those stories and we're just like people being good to one another and just being able to save the world through that this doesn't like you know subvert the trope as much but i always really love like the percy jackson series just because like at the end of like the original percy jackson series like you kind of read this whole time thinking like that Percy Jackson is like the big chosen one part of the prophecy but at the end of the day like his role in fulfilling the prophecy was to like hand off the knife and like let Luke do his thing and like trust that everything was going to be okay and I think it's fun that that like we get these chosen one narratives but we also get like people they are not like single-handedly taking down bad guys or saving the world it is like they actively choose to like do a good thing and maybe let someone else take the spotlight. And that's also like a wonderful thing to see as a kid and also like even as an adult. God, there's been so many, I've been seeing so many mutuals of mine on Twitter, like rereading the Percy Jackson books or like the Heroes of Olympus series and stuff, um, which I think is so interesting because like that is like, oh wow, that's a series in a fandom that is still really like active and passionate about these stories and you know, they resonate for a reason. I, I think part of it is just because, like, at least growing up like, in elementary school, like, you were either, like, a Harry Potter kid or a Percy Jackson kid. Yeah. And, like, because J.K. Rowling's terrible and Rick Riley Orden, like, doesn't hate trans people, like, all of the Harry Potter kids who were empathetic enough to immediately drop J.K. Rowling just gravitated toward Rick Roy Orton, which is fine, which is great for them. But like, that's what I think happened yeah. here. But also Percy Jackson so is just true. an engaging narrative overall. I also think probably the buzz of the Percy Jackson series being developed for Disney Plus um, has people interested again. That's so true. I was I was a Percy Jackson kid. I uh, read the first three Harry Potter books and then I didn't keep reading. I was a Harry Potter kid who turned into a Percy Jackson kid. I read Harry Potter and then a few years later I read Percy Jackson and I was like, fuck, swords are so much cooler than wands. I want a sword. Yeah, swords are so much... Also, bow and arrow. Like, I think of that that um, trope, you know, you talked about, like, uh, 
Katniss with her bow and arrow and stuff. Like, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be Susan from Narnia. I was like, yeah, let me get a bow and arrow. That sounds cool. And then I did archery at summer camp. And I was like, this is, I can't do this. Now that you bring it up, like, these books are, like, very much, like, power fantasies for kids because, like, you get to see, like, people your age, like, doing these badass things, fighting monsters, when in everyday life, you're going to school and walking home, and that is the extent of your physical activity, like, but, you know, when you're reading these books, you can imagine yourself, like, slashing a monster, like, you know, carrying a dagger, like, that's an incredible power fantasy that, like, I still love reading, like, these YA books just because I can imagine myself doing these incredible things so true (laughs) we've talked a bit about like okay probably some of the reason you know these heroes are these young kids is because that's like the audience the intended audience but um i (laughs) i remember seeing a screenshot of a tumblr post on pinterest when i was younger because i didn't have tumblr i had pinterest and so i saw years old posts filtered onto there um i remember seeing this post talking about like why aren't there any like um stories about epic quests with like grandparents or like people who are older because they have more lived experience and are wise and um that idea kind of always stuck with me because you like don't really see a lot of like older characters in media period Mm -hmm. especially older women um and i also think that's something i I think about when i'm like playing my own like uh D games and stuff like that where i end up you know i'm like critiquing like oh why are these like teens like saving the world in these pieces of media and then i end up playing people my age or around my age in um, D&D games that I play because that's that's what is accessible. <laughs> I actually never thought I never truly thought about like the idea of like kids saving the world stuff until I started like playing D&D and getting into that headspace like in my current D&D campaign I'm playing like a 19 20 year old who's just like because of her lineage you know doing some hero shit and she actively does not want to do it. And it's just, like, really opened my eyes to, like, wow, like, you know, if you have a life, if you want to live a normal life and, like, grow up and just get a stable job and maybe have kids, like, this hero shit, it's hard. It's extremely traumatizing. But on the other hand, like, you have to do it or else who else will? Adults have such an interesting place in, like, YA stories, too, because, like, the narrative will always find a way to, like, get them out so, like, the kids can be front and center. So, like, the adults will be evil or terrible or, like, incompetent or, like, I think it was interesting in the way Percy Jackson did it where, like, their explanation of, like, why there were no adults helping out was just, like, oh, you know, all demigods die before they reach adulthood and that's that. And, like, as a kid, I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. But I'm like... Now I'm like, oh my god, if you die before you reach adulthood, like, if everyone dies, like, that's terrible. Why is there no one, why aren't the gods doing something about this? Oh god, I remember hearing um, that Jason died in the Trials of Apollo series, and I was upset because I had read, you know, the Heroes of Olympus series but didn't keep reading um, after, and then I was, like, reading more about it, and I was like, he was 16? He was only 16 and I was like, I'm, I, I'm 
older than him. And like that's not okay. I was like, this is this is really this is really sad. Like, why aren't people like sad about this? That these like you're dying before reaching adulthood. When you were a kid, you think that you're an adult already, even though you're not. So yeah. then you're like, okay, I'm 16. I know everything there is to know about the world. So if I die at 16, then I guess I'll die in a blaze of glory. Yeah, and and that's in some ways that it can it can be kind of dangerous not that i think that most people are like yeah i'm gonna do what this book tells me to do but um you're not invincible as a kid you should be able to like live your life and 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 be a teen i finished uh running a game of monster hearts um for some friends last night and um i ended up putting kind of this NPC in the story because I'm thinking about these like absent adult figures. And so I ended up having this NPC who was the principal at um, the school that these, these kids are in. And it was monster hearts. There wasn't like saving the world level stakes, but there was like this demon that a character, you know, is kind of bound to. And, um, I ended up just like improvising this whole moment where this principal was like, you guys don't need to do this. Like I can help you take care of these, these adults who are absent in your lives. Like I can, you know, help step in to, to figure something out to like you, you guys should be like going to the mall, like worrying about like getting your grades like in and graduating high school. Like you're kids. You can be kids. <laughs> and I think it was really interesting because it kind of just like this moment just kind of came from me and all these like thoughts and feelings that I, I have. Um, and it resonated with the other players. They're like Alan Woods, principal of all time, the only adult ever. <laughs> like, why is this guy has more sense than any, you know, adult in any teen show ever. And I was like, I guess so. <laughs> Yeah, you like you see an adult like being marginally nice and then like teen show or teen book and you're like, oh my god, this is my new parent now. This is like the greatest adult who has ever lived because every adult in comparison is freaking awful. Yeah. <laughs> Except Sally Jackson. Sally Jackson in the Percy Jackson books. MVP. <laughs> like back to like how you said, like we were talking about like that grandma Pinterest post. I was thinking about like like there are like you know adults saving the world chosen one stories but like it, they don't occupy a place in our culture as they do with like t with that like you know these YA shows like obviously they're like superheroes but it just feels different well you know what i started thinking about was um spider-verse into the spider-verse and how you do have this like this older spider-man kind of not middle age but like in his 30s and he's kind of been broken down and stuff and and is getting older and that he is there as a contrast (laughs) to miles morales and like can be kind of a a mentor figure but also like just a, a someone that a character that you can see the difference between the two of them and um i think that's kind of the where old 
older superheroes exist in media is, is as like a contrast point from younger superheroes. Like I also, I never watched Logan, but I know that was kind of uh, this idea too of like the old old Wolverine um, with like the new younger um, mutant force. Talking about like contrast, like I started thinking about um, Runaways, like how the oh, yeah. the Marvel show. I don't know. So like it's not in the MCU because the MCU is doing some weird things. But yeah, like like you know, adults like they also do offer like some sort of contrast. Like the adults in Runaways, they were like super villain esque, and like they offered a great contrast to like their teen children. But also like in general, I feel like when you have like a teen superhero like Peter Parker in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because Peter Parker in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is wildly different from like Peter in like the comics. Yeah. Um, like when you have a teen superhero, it, it allows you to do like brighter, not, maybe, I don't know if I want to say optimistic, but like more poppy or whatever storytelling no, where like with like adults, like it, it with adults, with adult heroes and like just like overall like adults saving the world, it can often feel a little bit darker, which I, you know, I don't vibe with as much sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. Um, because if you just have a bunch of adults who are like, oh, this is this is so hard. Everything is so serious. Um, having superpowers can be fucking fun. Yeah. You like, know? It feel, like when you're watching a teen super, it feels fun in a way that like just like watching like Steve Rogers or Iron Man, it's fun, but it's not as fun. They're just Steve Rogers and Iron Man are just guys like they're paying mortgages or whatever, like teen superheroes. Like feels more optimistic feels like there's more for them to do and and it's like it's also the like the story of discovering something in yourself and um taking like if if all the other older superheroes it's like been there done that we've 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 had these powers for a while like everyone i think the origin story is so popular because there is that excitement of this is brand new. I want to figure this out. And it really resonates because like when you are young, you are like very much figuring yourself out. Like you are figuring out who you are in a way that like adults necessarily aren't. And if you are still figuring yourself out into adulthood, you know, these origin stories can resonate with you because like, it's nice to see someone going through what you're going through. Even if your version of figuring yourself out is wildly different from like, a teenager on a TV's version of figuring self their stuff out. Yeah. We've talked about like, you know, how like, you know, previous examples of the trope of like waking up, saving the world, you know, t- teenagers doing their teen hero stuff. But like as someone who has seen a lot of that media in these past two years, like how would you like to see the trope evolve in the future? Um, I think more characters should go to therapy <laughs> or at least Maybe not therapy, but finding some ways to to manage their own mental health because the the journey's different for everyone. Um, I uh, Buffy's the blueprint, like more like having um, just like not filler episodes. I don't like that word, but like character building episodes. If it's a TV show of just like. People just hanging out. And um, if it's a superhero show, I think um, using, like, superpowers for just, like, very mundane things can be really fun. 
Um, you know, I think there, there's a bit of that in Into the Spider-Verse of just like, okay, I'm going to shoot that web to bring something closer to me or like turn the light off. Um, yeah, and and other um, other tropes of like, I mean, I think team, like teams saving the world, like is also like- Yeah, I love I'm teams more- saving the world. I feel like for a while there was like this very, this focus on like the chosen one but there's also such beauty that can come from like the team dynamic like I read the book Six of Crows and I was like in junior year of high school and I was just like enamored with that whole deal because it was just like these they weren't saving the world but I, I like the idea of like a group of people like doing stuff together and growing yeah. with one another as opposed to like one central figure and their supporting cast oh I I enjoyed the Heroes of Olympus series more than I enjoyed Percy Jackson really yeah um i i think the dynamics of 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 different characters interacting is is more fun than and also just like i like the dialogue the the inner monologue switch of like kind of seeing the same event from slightly different people's like slightly different perspectives more teams i love seeing teams is super fun yes (laughs) also you know teenagers have friend groups like it's not even unrealistic yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hang out with your friends sometimes. Yeah. It's fun. Fight evil with your friends. You know, it's much easier than fighting evil alone. Yeah. Um, I'm also in that vein. I think um, Buffy did this a couple times. I think it's fun where it's like, okay, you've got this one person with the skills. What if they're like sick or they're like, they can't, they can't do this right now. So you have the other people try to fill in their role i also just think that that's always fun yeah i love yeah that's always so funny like i watched i used to watch crime shows whenever like one person was gone and like they'd always like miss that person's skill set so much it was fun yeah and and just more interesting dynamic teams (laughs) yeah absolutely like final words of the episode more teams okay more teams more therapy more teams (laughs) yes absolutely teens teams therapy three t's Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> All right. So, like, we're coming up on time now. So, like, it's time for the segment that ends every podcast episode, The Lightning Round, where I ask my guests questions tangentially related to the theme of the episode just to see where they're at. And on a fun little note, Saffron, are you ready? Yes. Um, number one, Buffy and Angel or Buffy and Spike? Okay. Buffy and herself throwing a curveball. Uh, I think Buffy and Spike is a more interesting dynamic, but, like, actually, like, shipping Buffy and, like, her sense of discovery and, like, I'm cookie dough. The end of that, like, I like that. As a character, individually, Spike over Angel any day. (laughs) Okay, fascinating. Um, number two, Katniss with Peta or Katniss with Gale? Katniss with Peta, um... Gail's Gail's a dick. That's uh, my hot take. Um, I think Katniss and Peeta had more. They like shared the trauma, so they can understand each other better. And I actually think like they are able to have some sense of healing um, together. <laughs> Number three, if you were in the Percy Jackson universe, who would your godly parent be? Ooh, that's that's one I've thought about a lot. When I was younger, I would say Athena because I wanted to be Annabeth. But me too, um, me too. 
actually like thinking about it more I think like almost like thinking about like my own parents um I think like my dad is Hermes like I think that could be an interesting like I could be a Hermes kid (laughs) I could see it I could see it all right number four lead a revolution or follow the leader Mm, follow the leader I'm too tired for this shit (laughs) number five fighting against a dystopian regime or some fantastical big bad evil guy um I think big bad evil guy there's more chances of having them do a fun little villain monologue and then you get to interrupt that with witty quips or just shooting them finally do you think that you could be a 16 year old saving the world um now i would say no at 16 i was like yeah i could probably do this i'll skip school for that all right well that's all the questions i have for today saffron do you have any last words for our listeners anything you'd like to promote any social media um yeah so you can follow me um on twitter at Pefta, that's uh, G-A-U-B-H-E-F-T-A. And I um, have some some projects in the works, uh, some, some music videos I directed, as well as potential RPG streams. Uh, so follow me there and, for more updates. All right, that's so exciting. Well, um, f- closing words, as a reminder, episodes drop every other Thursday. Please give this podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you're into that sort of thing. And until next time, I'm Nia, reminding you that there is no age limit to saving the world, but you might need a permission slip.